The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Portrait of a Dragon as a Young Man by J.A. Pack So I promised you that I would one day tell you how I came to live among humans. I was still a young child, just past forty. My mother had chased me out of her lair, and I was seeking companions. At such a young age, it is good for a dragon to find a small group to live with. But a dragon must show their mettle before being invited into a group. I'd wandered here and there, fighting occasional battles, neither definitively winning nor definitively losing. But my battles and my reputation for bravery was growing. One day when I was flying high above the ocean, a group of three decided to test me. Out of nowhere they came, all three attacking me at once. These were dragons much older and more experienced than I. One was over three hundred and would soon go into solitude. It was a compliment that they wished to test me. I'd either join them or die. I almost died. I'd never battled more than one dragon at a time. Three just too much. I was ripped open and falling, blue skies streaking away from me. I landed on trees, much to my surprise. I was sure drowning awaited me, preferable to a slow death on land. What I did not know was that a human had seen my battle, witnessed my fall. My first love, Mina. She was always rescuing creatures, my Mina, mending their bodies, reviving their souls. She was a great healer. A mere touch of her hand, the sound of her voice, as nourishing as Symbony's nectar. On the back of her long-limbed Bethere she came, knowing what medicines I would need as blood had come raining down the mountainside, soaking the island soil. Now extinct, Bathers, they were like dogs, the size of ponies, indigenous to the island. Quick, very quick, with a keen sense of smell, difficult to train, but loyal. I forget the name of Mina's Bathir, though I see his face so clearly. He adopted me as a younger brother. At times he thought me quite foolish, and I suppose I was. Mina patched my wounds and fed me large bunches of herbs that stopped the heavy bleeding. Whenever pain would make me groan, she'd sigh, babbling sympathetic words I would not understand. Part of her was medicine, was singing. Songs that ceased my suffering lulled me into sleep. Under her care, I healed quickly, but even after several days, 
I could not unfurl my wings. So weak was I from loss of fluids. You do not understand what it means, how vulnerable a dragon is with wings they cannot use. I was miserable, anxious. Mina seemed to understand. Pity you are not a boy. Then I could take you home and nurse you. I feel you would do better inside a warm house with soup and porridge. I cannot feed a dragon properly. Not that I know what a dragon eats or does not eat. At least the herbs are helping you. I'm grateful for that. Poor thing. I don't even know if you are a male or a female. If only you were human. Though I could not understand her words, I felt her longing and slowly began to transform. Before I knew it, I was a human creature, a young man. So that is how a dragon shapeshifts, Mina exclaimed. Extraordinary! To think I have lived to see it. Thank you. She had her bather lie down so I could climb on top of him. Walking by my side, she kept me steady as we carefully climbed down the mountain slope until we reached her home. There, with great tenderness, she bathed and fed me. I felt as if I was back in my mother's lair, though Mina was as unlike my mother as the moon is to the sun. She seemed so tiny, so fragile, my Mina, but only because she was the first human creature I had seen eye to eye. I knew of humans, of course, as part of my education. My mother had taken me to human villages and cities, keeping us high in the air so we were like dots to the humans below. Beware of humans, she warned. These creatures are full of ugly malice, like hornets, indecently greedy for power, hungry to subjugate. Not just themselves, but every living thing. Dead, too. They will dazzle you with their cleverness, with their temples that dare to touch the sky. Be wary. Never perform a kindness for a human. They have no law. No good deed goes unpunished. Delicious, that, my mother's understanding of the proverb. But the core truths in her words have haunted me on many occasions. It was not long before I could understand Mina. Dragons have a rare talent for languages, which is shape-shifting of another sort. We pick up languages just by listening. Soon, I was telling her my story, and she hers. She was a widow, my Mina. Her husband had been a sailor, drowned at sea. Humans are not good in the sea, but my, how they love it, she'd say. She lived alone in a wooden house at the base of a mountain. Fresh spring water flowed directly into the house, and there were hot springs nearby where we could bathe. She had a dragon's heart, for she loved solitude. Solitude from humans, I should say. For her home was lively with dogs, cats, birds, all sorts of creatures. And every hour some wild animal would come for a visit, often leaving gifts. She had her human visitors, too, relatives, friends, strangers, some seeking company, some seeking advice. They always left with an ointment or a tonic and a happy heart. 
while I was still in bed mending, she kept me a secret. You need rest. You won't get any rest once the island knows about you. There would be a steady stream of curiosity seekers. And I hate curiosity seekers. The last thing I need is for the whole island to know I have a dragon in my house. Once you've healed and gone, I'll tell them. No, I won't tell them. They don't need to know a dragon was here. It'll be our secret, she told the animals. The animals agreed. Luckily, I'd arrived in winter. There were few visitors once the heavy snows began to fall. Coddled in Mina's cozy home, my body grew stronger by the day, though I was still too weak to transform back into my dragon self. Even as a human, I found myself having to sit more often than not. You have all winter to restore your strength, Mina said. You're welcome to rest here for as long as you need. You don't feel the cold at all, do you? Fain? Do you fain? Still. While a human, you should follow human customs. These were my husband's. Let's see how well they fit you. Clothes. Strange. Suffocating. Uncomfortable. Unnecessary, I protested. Mina did not seem to hear a word I said, talking right over me. As I suspected, you are much too tall. Though thin enough, Fane, my dear hip boy, how about shrinking yourself to fit the clothes? Is that something you can do with all that lovely shape-shifting skill? A good fit is what you need. It'll be so much more comfortable then. She could make me do anything with her charming voice and smile. Just her mere suggestion, and my body was changing. The clothes becoming longer, looser though I still did not like it. There, perfect. You're now suitable for visitors. While you're at it, do you think you could change the color of your hair and fingernails? The color? Quite spectacular, the color, but too strange for a human. Wait, I'll get a mirror. Now look. And I did. What a surprise. My human dress. I saw a frightening creature and not myself at all. Where was my tail? My wings? Could I breathe fire? I am strange, I said. No, not at all, not at all. You are a very handsome human. A very handsome young man indeed. The girls will go wild over you. It's just that, um, it's just that, the thing is, Fame, humans do not have scarlet hair and nails, you see. It makes you stand out so. Perhaps you could change the color of your hair to something like mine and soften it so it doesn't stick out so stiffly. And your nails, see how mine are almost transparent so you can see the skin underneath? I did my best. My nails became light brownish-orange, but my hair was not transmutable. I would not learn the skills to change my hair for another three decades. Well, never mind, Nina said, smiling. After all, 
Who is to say that a human cannot have scarlet hair? She was kind like that. Mina spent the winter teaching me all the human ways of grooming, cleaning, cooking, mending, chopping wood, singing, reading, tending to the animals. I would not say why I did not fly away or why she did not send me away when it was clear even before the new year that I was healthy enough to leave. Do you mean to stay much longer, she asked, when all the snow had melted and the first buds began to appear on the trees? I find myself comfortable in human dress. Soon I will have visitors again. I will introduce you to them, not as a dragon, but as a man. It will be best if you keep your dragon self a secret. It will be best for now. But Fane, they will not like that a strange man is living here with me, especially when so many have wished to do just that. It will be best for me to introduce you as my new husband. That will end any arguments. I did not know what that meant, what a husband was. I did not ask, because I wanted very much to stay by her side. Mina told her family and friends that she'd found me sleep in the woods, badly beaten, naked, with no possessions, not even memory. Abducted by spirits, they cried, stomping on the floor with their boots to scare away any lurking spirits. They spit you out after they're done with you, lucky to survive. I had a cousin abducted by spirits, one friend confessed. Gone for four and a half moons, returned bruised all over, scars where he'd been whipped. Couldn't remember anything either. Couldn't remember anything either except for a vague re recollection that he'd been forced to make gigantic nails for a bridge between the clouds. Never fully recovered his senses. Fane, poor Fane, how your family must mourn, they cried. I was fed sympathy for months. Human creatures seemed to delight in giving this kind of comfort. But poor Mina, how they teased her. Thank the gods you found him, Mina, my dear, and such a bonny lad. Laughter shook the house, Mina blushing. Why do they tease you? I asked her after they had all gone. You see, you see, Fane, you look and act like a naive lad of nineteen or twenty. I am fifty-one. They think you are too young for me, that I have taken advantage of your youth. But I am over forty years of age. Is that young or old for a dragon? Young. Dragons can live for thousands of years. How awful! I've married an infant, she laughed. Well, it is not as if we have a true marriage. And when you have gone... They will have the smug satisfaction of thinking that they had known all along such a marriage as this could not last. What is a marriage? A human custom. A man and woman marry, that is, they decide to become a new family. So they build a house together and prepare to have children. Most humans marry, you see. I don't suppose there's anything like that for dragons. We have mates. And sometimes it is for life. So, dragons do marry in their own fashion. 
I have found that there is very little difference between humans and animals. Dragons are not animals. No, I suppose they're not. What then are dragons? I had no answer. What are we but dragons? Now Mina had a young cousin who lived in town, mischievous. He was called Elto, and he came every week, badgering me about going into town with him. You can't live like this, being cooped up all alone here, like your Mina's love slave. It isn't natural. Come to town. Meet my friends. Stay the night. The fun we'll have. You have no idea how pretty the women in town are. You can't tell me that Mina's enough for you. We'll have a wild time. Mina always put him off with Fane is still too weak, but she knew her excuses would not last. So she decided I must learn to drink. Learn? I know how to drink. Water, tonics, fruit juices, not alcohol. And my cousin will ply you with a great deal of alcohol. Alcohol is a dangerous thing. You need to know what it will do to you. Everyone reacts differently. Some barely feel the drink. Others become monsters with a mere drop. For most, it's a skill to be learned. Why drink such a thing? Indeed, though there is a certain pleasure to it in moderation, and it is a way to bind people together, offers them solace in tough times, merriment and good, what is a wedding without wine and beer? Even the dead like their drink, which is why we pour some on their graves each year. Now Fane, Elter will begin the night with a drink and end the night with a drink, and there will be plenty in between. We began with weak beer. First, just a small mug with lunch and dinner, then half a pitcher. Slowly we worked up to strong ciders and wines. You must never drink on an empty stomach, she told me again and again. I found alcohol did not affect me much. Mostly, I felt as if I was flying, though my feet were on solid ground. Not a bad state, and it made me joyous. You're a good drunk, Mina said, and that's a relief. What makes you so worried, Mina? You can see that I am well when drinking. You have not been tried, Fane. You do not know what a whole night of drinking is like. You have never been truly drunk. Never drunk with boys like Elto, who will encourage the worse in you. Of course I worry. For what will happen when you're out of your head drunk? Listen, Fane. The island has had a dragon visitor before. His name was Ephraim, an ancient dragon. In human dress, he'd come to town and drink the night away, dancing, singing, drunk out of his mind, kept the whole town from sleeping. He could drink barrels at a time, and when he'd gone past his limit, he'd lose control and explode into a dragon. Once the pub exploded right along with him. And you think... I'll explode into a dragon? I would not like you to lose control, reveal things that are best kept hidden, at least for now. 
Know your limit. Do not go beyond it. Do not get drunker than you are now. Ephraim was quite loved until the pub exploded. People died, and he was driven away. Tell me about Ephraim. How did he come to live on the island? It was long ago when Elto's grandfather was alive. The town had no fort then. The pirates took advantage and harassed the island mercilessly, looting, burning, killing, kidnapping people as well as slaves, kidnapping people to sell as slaves. Elto's grandfather was a great builder. He drew up the plans for our mighty fort and gathered the strongest men to build it. Up they went into the mountains to fell trees and quarry stones, huge old trees, which they would drag down the mountainside. Terrible slow work and dangerous. One day there was a frightening accident. The ropes holding the tree trunks broke and the trees began tumbling toward the town. It was Ephraim that saved the day. From high up in the sky, the dragon saw what was happening and came swooping down with his immense talons. He grabbed the heaviest stone he could carry and dropped it on the slope, diverting the trees. The town was saved. They feasted him in gratitude, and so he stayed. At first he was a tremendous help, hauling trees from mountains to town. It was quite a sight, they say, the magnificent dragon flying with massive trees and stones in his great talons. When they were ready to build, he transformed into a human. Chopping, chiseling, carving, the dragon man's strength phenomenal. The island adopted him as one of their own. He stayed for a number of years. The pirates did not dare come near. With him, we did not need the fort. Then the pub exploded, and that was that. He was quite devastated by what he had done. I would not want you to feel the same. Dragons and men do not live easily together, it seems. There will be a day when you too will have to leave, but I want it to be on your terms and with contentment, not shame. She was like that, my Mina. When she thought I was ready, she took me to town. I think it best that I go with you this first time. You are unfamiliar with the town, unfamiliar with Elto and his friends. He can be very sly, more trouble than he's worth. His own mother will say as much. I will watch over you just this first time. We'll stay the night with my sister-in-law, Rafa. She and I are great friends. Perhaps we'll stay a couple of days. I haven't been to town in over a year. I have many visits to return and a good deal of shopping to do. Mina's island was a jagged rock, unfriendly to boats. It had one port, which was also its only town. Small and lively, a perfect introduction to human civilization for a young dragon. Word soon spread that Mina had brought her new bridegroom. People swarmed Rafa's house. Elto was among them. After dinner, he pulled me away so he could take me to his favorite pub. The pub. That first time. Overwhelming, 
suffocating. Humans should have to shoulder behind in front, sideways, I bumping into them, they into me. The noise, the damp smells, warm and curdling. I wanted to run home, back to Mina, back to her animals. Where was Mina? I felt a hand on my back. Mina, my Mina. I could breathe again. This way, Fane, Elto screamed in my ear, pulling me into a back table. Large tankards of beer were waiting. Much stronger stuff followed. I stayed with beer, and Elto did not seem to mind. He even disappeared for a while, reappearing an hour or so later with a group of rather large men. I could smell a kind of frenzy thickening, the frenzy of starving animals sensing injured prey. A table appeared in the middle of the room. Small clay cups were lined up, filled with resiny alcohol. Alto stood on a chair. Drink off, he yelled. Tadbo here, our current champ, and who should be the challenger? Mina, Mina, the room chanted. Tadbo against Mina, we'll take her bets now. Mina, Mina. Mina stood up. The room parted as she walked to the table. With one hand, she upended it, cups shattering against the floor. Elto, so this was your plan all along. Thane was bait. Come, Thane, we must leave. I'd never seen Mina angry before. She was magnificent. Her eyes like flint, her voice a razor. It was then that I realized Mina wielded great power. Men and women looked away, shamefaced. Even if you were in the right, she could make you feel much shame. It was Rafa who explained everything to me. Armina is legendary for her ability to hold her drink, she told me as we sat eating her magnolia honey cake. She can drink anyone under the table, men three times her weight, and she doesn't get drunk like others, Armina. The more she drinks, the more cool-headed she becomes. Mind razor sharp. No, she's not like other people, Armina. You'll hear the rumors soon enough, dear Fane that Armina is not quite human. People like to say she is the daughter of a sea nymph, half-deity. Why, she could talk to animals and raise people from the dead. Just where did my brother find you, Mina? Rafa is trying to spook you, Fane. Stop all this nonsense, Rafa. I was born on an island not too far from here, Fane. I met Rafa's brother when he came to shore during a lightning storm. He was fishing on his boat. And your mother was a sea nymph, Mema, my dear? Rafia teased. Sea nymph? Yes, there was something about the sea around her. For years I could not say what, but now I see. She had the same hypnotic rhythm. The cayenne wash of light dancing upon water. You can ask as much as you like, but the answer will be the same. I cannot say, as I have never met my mother, whether she died or left, my father would not say. So perhaps she was a sea nymph, 
Your guess is as good as mine. Your father must have loved her very much, or hated her very much, Raffet retorted. Love, hate, what strange creatures humans are. It took me thousands of years to understand these odd emotions. Understand, well, perhaps not the right word. Why would you not drink with the men tonight, I asked. It is a silly game, a dangerous game. I've seen too many men and women come near death trying to defeat me. I swore publicly never to do it again, and certainly not so that Elto can make money taking bets. Disgraceful. Truly, Rafa agreed. Elto has surprised me. I had heard rumors of his bad behavior, but this is truly disgraceful. Next morning, Elto came with gifts. He apologized and begged forgiveness. In atonement, I swear to protect Fane as a true blood kin. Test me. Let Fane come with me tonight. I will return him tomorrow morning. If he is harmed in any way, I will forfeit my life to you. Fane, will you trust yourself to Elto? Yes, Mina, I will, if you think it wise. Elto, if he is harmed in any way, I will sell you to the salt mines of Plith. Rafa, you are my witness. I am your witness. So it was done. Under Elto's protection, I was now a member of the Fellowship of Man. Each month, for a week, I stayed in town with Elto and his friends. We drink all night and during the day work together at the fort. To my surprise, Elto was much respected as a builder, having inherited the gift from his grandfather. I helped him with his work, maintaining and repairing the fort. Invaluable skills I learned and then used. Why my lair was so comfortable. He also taught me how to shoot, arrows, fight with swords. And having no fear of fire, I became expert at handling the machines that shot fireballs into the sea. The town no longer had Ephraim, but they had a fort built like a dragon. No pirate ship dared attack. Did I say that I met Ephraim a thousand years later? Ephraim. The best of companions, a dragon like no other, the mate of mighty Islin, who to honor his death I would never again be mates with another. We bonded like twins and had many adventures together, epic and often hilarious, like the time we dove into the hell pits of Sermut, in human dress no less, just to rile their gods and found, well, another story for another time. Elto, his mindless escapades could ensnare you for days. One midsummer I did not come home for three weeks. Understanding as always, Mina said after our supper, perhaps you'd like to move into town. It is rather dull here for a young man like yourself. You have many friends now, and a growing flock of girls who worship you, I hear. It is to be expected expected that you would wish to spend more time with your new friends. They frighten me, the girls. They follow me and scream my name, and I don't know why. 
Why do they suddenly have scarlet hair? Have they all dyed their hair scarlet? She laughed. What an odd thing to do. A strange way to show devotion, I must say. These island girls never cease to amaze me. Yes, yes, you had best move into town. You are an object of worship, and I would not want to deprive the girls. This is home, I said. It is almost winter, she continued, as if I had not said a word. You can stay in town all winter, come back in spring. When the snow falls, you may be stuck here for two or three months at a time. You will miss your friends. I will miss you more. I see, I see, she smiled. It is a clear, moonless night. Shall we go out to look at the stars? The sky was a black sheen, and the stars pulsed with life. Bring your lyre. I love to hear her play while we looked at the stars. Even now, I will hear her music, and it is my youth in starlight. The stars are beckoning, Mina said, her lyre the night sky. Come up and dance with us, they're saying. Shall we fly up to greet them? I'd like to see the stars from high up in the sky. This was the first time she'd ever asked such a thing. I am afraid. I hadn't changed into my dragon self since falling out of the sky. Someone might see us. I may be discovered. Yes. Yes, it was a silly thing for me to ask. I wonder why, why I am feeling so foolish tonight. I was not truthful. I was afraid, not of discovery. I was afraid of becoming my dragon self, of fighting another battle, of falling. I was afraid, and I was ashamed. Spring came early that year, more like summer with hot, humid days, usually so, unusually so. Flowers seemed to bloom overnight. I spent my days fishing at the lake. I never caught anything. Well, I never baited my hook. If I wanted fish, it was far easier for me to dive into the lake and use my hands. It was Elto who taught me to fish the human way, though I confess I could not understand it. Fishing seemed to be an excuse to do nothing. So I did nothing sleeping on the grass, staring up at the sky, sometimes taking a small bamboo raft out onto the water. There was a strange unease in my body. Late one afternoon I was dozing when I heard Mina's gentle laughter. You're like a small child, always throwing your clothes off as soon as I'm out of sight. It's much more comfortable to wear no clothes at all, to feel the breeze on one's skin, it is only the two of us here, and you are not hot and sweaty, Mina. Would you not feel more comfortable without clothes? Surely you would. We are not truly married. It's best for us to remain modest. Here, sit up. I brought you some berry juice. I thought you'd be thirsty. The jug's been in the spring since morning, so the juice is nice and cold. You've been out here a very long time. I'm glad you don't get sunburnt. I was grateful for the juice. You've said this before, that we are not truly married. What does that mean? 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 
It means, that is to say, it is hard to explain. A too true marriage is when two people decide to share their lives with one another. And have we not done that? I took you home because you were injured. We told people we were married because it kept the nasty nose out of our private business. I am no longer injured. I stay because I wish to. So, are we not truly married? No, we are not. Were you truly married before? Yes. And how is that different? We were in love. What does that mean? We loved each other in a way that made it impossible to part. I followed him here to the island because it was less painful for me to leave my home than to part from him. I do not wish to part from you. I must love you. You were injured and I healed you. You love me because I nursed you. It is to be expected and it is not the same. It has been a long time since I was injured. We are truly married. Fane, how truly human are you? Well, you can see for yourself. There's more to being a human than physical appearance. What I mean is, do you feel desire the way humans do? Can you feel desire? Is that what I've been feeling? So you haven't had, with a human, with a dragon? Ah, is that what you mean by a true marriage? It is different for everyone, but for most, yes. For me, yes. Is it so hard? It is a skill like any other. It takes practice. A good teacher is invaluable. Shall I ask Elto to teach me? What a horrific thought. No, do not ask Elto. The island girls laugh and say, having that kind of thing with Elto is like having with a drunken wasp. Most young people are taught by the priests and priestesses, but they will not come until the next festival of dawn. Is that how you were taught? Yes, by a priestess, a priestess of Bath. My whole island was a temple of Bath. I was to be a priestess. I suppose that is why I can hold my liquor. Bath taught me how to make a special drink, a spirit, to help us commune with her. I've drunk it since I was young. Had I met my husband one month later, we could not have married, for I would have been dedicated to Bath. Could you not teach me, Mina? The teachings of the body are a sacred rite, a holy ritual. It was such a long time ago, my first lesson. Would I be a good teacher? I'm not sure. Was that the first lesson? Ah, yes, the art of touching. It is important, Fane, to know how to touch another person, to touch the body, to touch the mind. It is an honor. Each person is different. You have to learn to feel what the other is feeling. You must please as much as the other pleases you. Go slowly and patiently, like this. With a finger she caressed parts of my face. Slowly, tenderly, she touched my lips 
and I felt such a feeling. It was as if I was drunk with life, overwhelmed. I held her tightly in my arms, and I thought I would never let go. True marriage. It is, as Mina said, too hard to describe, for it is more than anything you can point a finger at, and so very different each time. Many seasons came and went, and I did not notice. It was another summer. We were gathering wild plants when the sudden relay of horns stiffened our backs. The island was being attacked. No, Mina, you must stay here. You are safer here, I commanded as I prepared to ride into town. I'd been made a captain of the fort. A great pity I was not already in town. Don't be silly. If we are attacked, there will be terrible injuries, and they will need every healer on the island. She packed her boxes of medicines and rode with me. Pirates had attacked five years previously. We'd repelled them easily with our fireballs. I thought this battle would be the same. But our new attackers were not pirates. This was an army, a well-disciplined fleet of a half-dozen large ships in the shape of dragons. No one knew who they were, what they wanted. Two days they sat, anchored, silent, expertly sowing unease, fear, and then a message. Surrender immediately and you will be spared. Fight and we will destroy you. Every man, woman, and child will die. They called themselves the Empire of Foot Hun. We answered with fireballs, volley after volley. Three of their ships caught fire, but before we could celebrate, there was a piercing shriek that tore at our hearts. In the sky, a great golden dragon, sparkling like the sun. So, their leader was of my kind. He'd kept hidden in human dress. There was no time to spare. With just a few of the dragon's breaths, the fort would be aflamed, and then the town, they would keep their promise. Every man, woman, and child massacred. Mina, it was instinct. I had to protect Mina, my friends. I was in the air, dragon, fighting dragon. He was an experienced dragon. I could see many battle scars on him, but my protective instincts had made my mind razor sharp, and I was far quicker. I whipped his neck with my tail and ripped his belly with my teeth. I shredded his left wing. Stunned, he retreated, shrinking to human form as he fell back onto his ship. While I had fought in the sky, my friends had fought from land, sending a tremendous volley of fire into the sea. Four of their ships were now in flames, disintegrating into the sea. The remaining two sailed quickly away. I should have returned to the fort, but I did not. To be my dragon self again, spiraling through the sky? Exhilaration. Weeks went by, and then the milky skin of home and Mina tightened around me. I found the island again, landed in human form. Naked, I walked to our house. Mina was alone repairing window shutters. You have returned she said simply. Yes. Did you think I would not? I felt a little hurt. I thought once you had tasted sky and wind again, you would forget the human world. 
Surely you have missed your dragon home. I have no other home. Mina is my home. I will never leave you. And I never did. It was she who left me. In her three hundredth year, Baf called to her. She returned to her temple island and became a priestess. This was at that time when humans had far fewer children but lived much longer, sometimes into their five hundredth year. I did not mind that Mina was called to Baf, for I had developed an insatiable desire to explore the world of humans. So I sailed east and found adventure after adventure. Every ten years or so I went to see Mina, for our hearts were forever bound. No matter where I was, if I was injured, she felt my pain, and though I was thousands of miles away, I knew the instant she took her last breath. I think she did indeed have a trace of sea nymph, for she lived into her eight hundredth year. My life with humans ended with a sudden halt. I was living in the city of Kistur, quietly as a merchant. There is much to love in anonymity. Kistur was magnificent then, a powerful center of trade, grand buildings, crafted from cedar and stone, copper and lapis lazuli blazing its city gates. The rooftop of its mountainous beehive temple was dusted with jimson, as were its municipal buildings. In the sun, the gypsum sparkled and kissed her was a dazzling diamond set in the diadem of a god, the god Nin, they of a thousand crystal wings. It was Nin who ruled the city. I often went to the buzzing markets to amuse myself. Nin had decreed that all creatures must be welcomed within the city walls, so they came from far and wide twisting and turning Kister's expansive granite streets with a torrent of languages, costumes, smells, stall after stall, catering to every taste. One morning, the sun locked in broom. I saw the most remarkable woman, eyes like frosty green jade, hair a field of flax in bloom. I felt a deep connection penetrating, disturbing. In a flash, she was gone. The market was swelling with waves of people carrying all manners of stuff, including live animals. I did not think I would see her again, but there she was, the next morning, and the next, flashes of jade flax, and then nothing. I had to know who she was, and yet I was afraid. Something lightning I had to know who she was, and yet I was afraid. Something fighting inside of me. I would follow her, I decided, find out where she lived, her name, her people. As soon as the sun rose, I was at the market, searching, searching, day after day. She was nowhere to be seen. In a fever, I was losing hope, when suddenly she was there, in the main square, walking briskly. She glided along several streets. She continued through the city gate, walking, walking, into the woods, her steps now very quick, in a secluded meadow 
she began taking off her clothes, neatly folding each item of clothing into a large shawl. She hid the shawl in a tree she'd clearly used before. And then she ran, her face beaming with joy until she was flying high up into the sky, the most terrifying dragon I had ever seen. I did not wait to take off my clothes. I flew after her, determined never to lose sight of her again. My courtship of Isth had begun, and it was glorious.